Hello and welcome to the audio recordings from Thursday, 16th of July for Project ECHO, the Westwick PHN Hub COVID-19 Pandemic Response ECHO Network. We're kicking off our second series in this morning's recording. In our last series, we discussed that while we'd adopted a controlled adaptation or suppression strategy, we were benefiting from elimination numbers, with no cases in our regional areas for many weeks by the time we went on a break. Our teaching and learning survey focused on the ways we'd like to while away our education sessions by discussing complex chronic diseases and other cases with local specialists, whilst building in the necessary agility to pivot at any time should the numbers go up again. So here we are, back from a two-week break. Melbourne's in lockdown. In Geelong and Ballarat, our major regional feeding centres, we're 40 to 90 kilometres respectively away from Melbourne, with many in our community within commuting distance. For holiday destinations across regional Victoria, we're waiting to take stock of the impact of visitors after the school holidays. We are all in a state of vigilance again, better prepared than four months ago when the WHO declared the COVID-19 pandemic, but similarly uncertain about what to expect in the coming weeks and months. In this session, we ask infectious diseases physician and trusted contributor, Associate Professor Deb Freeman, the question of where are we? As we again work to make sense of our position and refocus our efforts in primary care. Dr Rachel Cowan, Head of Infectious Diseases at Ballarat Health Service, joins us to provide an update for testing in the Ballarat region. We'll move straight on to Deb Friedman's presentation. She provides us with some case vignettes to discuss. I won't include this for patient uh, confidentiality because there is potentially identifying information involved in these cases. But I will come back with Matt Dixon's PHN update and a health pathways update by Dr Kate Graham. So the current situation is that there's been a surge in cases over the last month. It was initially blamed on breaches in hotel quarantine leading to localised community transmission. And initially what was attempted was localised community lockdown, but this was unfortunately ineffective in curbing the case numbers. Subsequently, there's been broader transmission within the community. There've been cases now in aged care, which is exactly what was trying to be prevented. As of last night, there are 105 people in hospital in Victoria, nearly 27 patients in ICU, increasing deaths and um, and also um, healthcare worker infection rates are significantly higher than previously. Speaking to a colleague at the Royal Melbourne, they have about 10 patients intubated in ICU with COVID and they have about 60 um, staff members at home in isolation, either because of infection or because they're close contacts. In regional areas, we're acquiring cases that are all linked to Melbourne. As of last count, there are 37 active cases in regional Victoria. Closer to here, we've got roadblocks on the freeway. Unfortunately, that doesn't stop those who work in Melbourne returning home to regional areas. So, for example, driving home from Melbourne back to Geelong. Next slide, please. So I guess just a couple of statistics within Victoria. We previously have looked at the percentage of the total number of cases that were unlinked to other cases, indicating community transmission. You'll remember that that, case, that number sat at about 10% for quite a long time. It's now at 17.8%. And that's higher than anywhere else in Australia. If you look overall in Victoria as a proportion of the population, less than 1% have so far been infected, and that's over the last six months. 
However, if you look only at the last month, if you look at June 12th to July 12th, there've been over 1,700 cases. Sorry, there were 1,700 cases and now there's now, and then it came up to about 4,000, which is an increase of 2,239 cases over just a month. If you look at the month before that, so May 12th to June 12th, there was only 201 cases. So you can see a tenfold increase in cases, which is certainly a cause for concern currently. So I guess the question is, do we get to the point of overwhelming the public health system and their capacity to manage a pandemic? What we know is that when there's increased number of tests done, both in response to an increased number of cases, an increased number of contacts, but also perhaps increased panic within the community. We know that's going to lead to delays in the laboratory results. When we get delays in the laboratory results, we may have delays in some people being formally in isolation. Now, people are aware that they're supposed to be in isolation after having a test, but I'm sure you probably wouldn't be surprised to hear that a lot of people don't adhere to it unless they find out that they're actually infected. If there are delays in putting people into isolation, there's also delays in identification of contacts of that infected case. And so all of these factors are of more significance to regional areas currently. And the reason that I say that is you could argue it's of significance to all Victorians. The difference is that if we could spare regional Victoria, then regional Victoria could at least um, be freed from um, state three lockdown, which is what the rest of Victoria is currently going through. So uh, regional case numbers. So in Golden Plains, there's four. Geelong, there's seven. Um, Surf Coast, there's one. Warnable, there's one reported, two in Ballarat. And I just put in brackets there that there's actually 249 active cases in, in Wyndham. And everybody knows that Wyndham includes Werribee, Point Cook, all the way down to Little River. And all but one of the cases that I listed above uh, certainly have been proven to be linked to Melbourne and don't don't point to any local community transmission. So what are the measures to protect the local communities that we serve? I guess we need testing with reasonable turnaround times, which is something that we always need to strive towards. We need to have increased testing in response to clusters. We obviously need to perform contact tracing, monitoring of all people. So that means monitoring of cases um, that are identified to determine whether or not there's any deterioration in their clinical status. We need to ensure that people are adhering to isolation. And we also need to provide additional support to people such as food, medications, or anything else that they require. It might even include home care for those who um, require care within the home. I'll let Rachel take over now. Hi, everybody. Um, so, yes, just confirming that we do have two cases in Ballarat and they haven't been attributed to the region because one person is actually in Melbourne but also travels to a partner's place and spends half her time in a partner's place in Ballarat and the other person is just outside the, the, uh, the Ballarat local government area. So both of those cases, although they are were tested at the UFS clinic and people are sort of in the Ballarat region, they haven't been attributed to us because the cases get attributed to the local government area that they're 
patient or the person actually resides in. Just to say thanks to Danny Tresize, just talking about the UFS clinic capacity, um, there has actually been an extension in the, the clinic capacity um, with approval with the government and what's actually happening is that the clinic hours are actually extending from 8 until 10pm. The clinic uh, appointment times are reducing from 15 minutes to 10 minutes, so the capacity is a lot higher. That's actually Monday to Friday. There's still, I think it's 9 till uh, 5 o'clock on a Saturday as well, and they've also managed to get approval to extend the room. So they've got five testing rooms available as well. So hopefully that will uh, increase, which is... Uh, their ability to actually test, which is great. I think the turnaround time at the moment for ACL is around 48 hours, but obviously with the increasing demand, of it, um, that uh, can change. There's been a lot of talk about BHS or Ballarat Health Services and, and whether they can actually increase or restart their screening clinic. Um, we started the screening clinic uh, at the right at the beginning because we knew that it was going to take time for the community UFS clinic to get up and running. Um, we were doing that initially through the hospital just next to ED, which is now being, that space is recommissioned as the respiratory area for ED uh, and subsequently moved down to the dental clinic. And with the ramping up of the dental clinic and reopening of the dental clinic, that space is no longer available. So as far as sort of testing at BHS, we're currently limited to testing staff. Um, the promising thing or the good thing about that as well is that they've actually just recently extended the staffing clinic uh, to also include household members uh, of staff members as well to try and take some of the load off UFS. Uh, and the other thing that's really promising at the moment is that they're looking at getting um, Ballarat Community Health on board and get them approved through, the, with, through DHHS to also... Um, uh, through the DHHS to also uh, then um, also open up an additional clinic for testing as well and that testing will be done through Dorovich. So hopefully in the not too distant future um, those clinics will be up and running as well. And introducing Danny Tresize, manager of UFS, answering a question about testing of asymptomatic contacts of a patient with COVID. Um, and I just wanted to make a comment about that asymptomatic contact. If there are confirmed contact of um, someone with COVID um, or they have a letter from the department saying that they need testing, we will test them up at Lucas. Um, the issue we have is people who need uh, COVID testing prior to elective surgery in Melbourne, um, we're not able to test those people. So there's a bit of a gap for them. But if they're a confirmed contact with a case or... Um, have a letter from the department saying they need testing, we will test those people. Um, thanks, Danny. Thanks, Rachel. And um, and now we're going to hand back to Deb Friedman. Um, thanks for putting your questions in the chat. I'm lining them all up and we've got a good, um, instead of the rapid five, I think we've got a good 20 minutes to take questions uh, about COVID. So keep them coming in the chat. We'll line them up and we'll, we'll hopefully get a chance to come to everyone. So back to Deb. Thanks very much, Bianca. So before I start on case vignette one, I should just explain, so the reason for the sort of metaphor of jumping down the rabbit hole is that up until now, and this may well change within the next couple of days, the Department of Health doesn't provide us information about cases when they, are, when they get put up as a new case in Geelong or a new case in Ballarat, a new case anywhere. 
the only way that we know who that case is is if we actually got the result back at our lab. But if they were tested at Dorovich or Melbourne Pathology or Foresight Pathology, we don't find out who they are unless we get contacted by a GP or somebody who may have known about the case. So we have been working specifically through rumour, but unfortunately that's the best we've had to go with um, to date. Now, we are moving forward and hopefully there will be a different model, but in order for us to try and protect at least our community, this, these are the things that we've done. So that this is where these vignettes come from. Okay, so as mentioned, I won't share the case vignettes because they are potentially identifying, although they've been de-identified. And now Deb describes, though, the contact tracing processes and systems that we're establishing in Geelong, Greater Geelong, Colac and Southwest Region. Our CEO had set up our contact tracing team as of last Friday um, with our brief being that we are going to contact known positive cases and this started off being Greater Geelong, Surf Coast, Queenscliff, Golden Plains and Colac Otway region. We would look into all of the known close contacts, provide clinical advice, monitor their progress and then where required we would coordinate their COVID testing, if it were required, if they were required to be retested, so that's relevant specifically for close contacts and occasionally for cases when being released from isolation. Now there was some discussion about what would happen with the rest of regional Victoria, so beyond Geelong and Greater Southwest. Uh, stay tuned and join next week's Echo Network to get some more definitive. Um, advice about what will take place. We now go on to contact tracing in Geelong, Greater Southwest. So I guess that does Thanks. sort of bring up the question about what is the role um, of GPs. And I think GPs play an incredibly important role. And unfortunately, if we had more, if there was a two-way exchange of information, then that would be an ideal opportunity um, for involvement of GPs, both us liaising with GPs about their patients who are COVID-19 infected or them telling us about them becoming aware of a, a positive case. So I guess at the moment, the things that would be helpful is that certainly within the regions that were highlighted before, if GPs become aware of a positive test result or a confirmed case, obviously they're meaning the same thing, a positive result, confirmed case, that they email our contact tracing team and allow us to look into it and we look into it very quickly. Um, we have so far in all the cases in the last few weeks, um, we've looked into it um, several days before the Department of Health was able to contact anybody. And we know that there's often an enormous number of questions that arise early on and people are finding it hard to get the answers to those questions if there's a big delay. So we asked for basic um, patient details and then details of the GP and any clinical details that they know. We've also got a COVID line at the hospital. So to take questions about contact tracing, and that's the number on the screen there. Okay, so we now had a 25-minute interactive discussion. Join us again next Thursday morning, 7.30, if you'd like to become part of the discussion. Uh, I'll finish up now, though, with um, the PHN update from Director of Special Projects, Matt Dixon, followed by Kate Graham with a Health Pathways update. Uh, so that question about PPE supply, um, <clears throat> so as people probably know that um, the PHNs are getting supplies through the national stockpile through uh, Department of Health federally. 
At the moment, we probably, we've been keeping about a month's worth of supply. And as you, as most of you would know, that we're proactively sending um, small amounts of, um, of uh, masks out to practices um, proactively. And then we have a request form if you need top-ups or you need more. So that's going out to GPs. And there has been some to Allied Health and we've heard recently from um, DHA, uh, sorry, DOH that um, we're, we're allowed to keep giving supplies to Allied Health. Um, so also apologies if some requests weren't filled. We just found out yesterday that some some of the requests have been going to the junk mail. So we've got those out of the junk mail and we're filling those sort of today and, and uh, in the next couple of days. So sorry if you've seen some delays there. Um, so really, as far as supplies go and ability to give any of the masks to patients or public, um, at the moment we're not authorised to give any of those supplies that we get through the national stockpile to patients or public. Um, I also posted up a 10th of July um, media release from the Premier talking about uh, ordering, I think, 2 million reusable masks uh, by the end of July. So that's, we haven't seen any details of that yet, and that's a Victorian, not a federal um, initiative. And then also some um, masks um, being manufactured locally. Uh, whether or not they come out through GP practices, that there is, um, in that media release, it does say that uh, vulnerable Victorians will be the target. And it doesn't say lockdown areas or Melbourne, it says Victorians. So not clear about exactly what that means yet. We're getting some queries about that from people, you know, general public who's seen, who've seen that, um, that media release and that, that media stand up sort of, um, you know, six, six days ago. So as soon as we find out more about that, and if we're involved in it, um, we'll make sure that you know. Uh, the issue about um, elective procedures and people going into Melbourne for their procedures needing tests before that, uh, we've been doing a little bit of advocacy around that and we found out yesterday that that's an active discussion with surgical directors and DHHS and it seems as though DHHS will take that on and hospitals will be responsible for ensuring that their patients know what to do and um, it, it isn't falling back on GPs, or if it does turn, turn into something that involves GPs, they'll have some agency in those discussions and decisions. So that's where that, that is at the moment. Um, now, someone asked me, I think Jeff asked me about um, gowns. Uh, there is a bit of a discussion. At, at the moment, the gowns that we can supply are only to GP respiratory clinics that are federally funded through DOH. Uh, the DOH has put out some feelers to us around whether um, there might be an appetite and an interest in us supplying a limited supply of gowns to GPs. Uh, and pretty much we're saying, well, yes, if that's possible, then we would want to do that. And then we'd um, make that part of our uh, PPE supply, you know, to our, um, our GPs. I think that's all I want to say. Thank you. Thanks very much, Matt. So before I hand on to Kate Graham, I'd just like to, um, yeah, Fiona Quigley will just again pop the evaluation up in the chat. And so we'd say, uh, you know, there's been a lot of discussion. We're going to probably continue, I think, this conversation next week and hopefully have some more clarity around some of the questions raised next week. So I think next week we'll probably go to COVID. Uh, do let us know if there's uh, areas that you'd like us to do a deep dive on and you can do that either by emailing us or um, at the Project Echo, or just responding to Project Echo email, or evaluating it us and let us know what you'd like to hear about. So I'll hand over to Kate and say thanks for coming, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Morning, everyone. Again, um, just a quick update from Health Pathways. Um, we've got everything as up-to-date as we can be at the moment. Um, 
just wanted to remind everyone that all our pathways are there. We've got assessment and management, ongoing assessment and management. Both of those are really important now, just with a delay in um, getting responses back from the DHHS and the overwhelm in the sort of services statewide. Um, I think we are going to be re um, relied upon to manage a lot more patients ourselves. So particularly the ongoing management from a GP perspective is going to be really important um, in regional areas should we end up seeing a bit more COVID. Um, there's the COVID-19 mental health resources. I think a lot of people are under pressure again with the uncertainty. Um, and I wanted to flag our mental health pathways again. We've got the um, acute and non-acute mental health pathways. So the acute with um, needing to be seen um, less than 24 hours, which is really the emergency care and the non-acute, anything over that. But you can have that sort of, you know, non-acute doesn't mean it's not an emergency and that they do need to be seen quickly. So within COVID, um, just not to forget, like within our assessment and management page, we've also got some really good drop downs that break down who is a close contact so that if you do have a positive case that you've got to notify somebody about, you can sort of then at least be giving out those close contact um, forms to the people who they know about immediately before we get that immediate contact tracing happening, just because in our regional areas, things can spread really quickly. Um, so anything else, any feedback you have for us on Health Pathways, let us know. Don't forget to um, join up to the communities of practice for some more discussion on COVID if you're not already a member. Um, you can find the links for that um, on the PHM website. And just making sure that you know where all the testing facilities are. They're all up to date on the Health Pathways referral forms as well. So that's about all for me for this week.